Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Brit Pack is back once again. Simon Head, Chamatkar Sandu here to bring you the very latest in this crazy, crazy world of mixed martial arts. Yeah, we're under shutdown right now. Everybody's sitting around in their homes. We're locked in. There's not a hell of a lot we can do, and we are desperate for some live fights. But after a couple of aborted attempts, it looks like the UFC are actually going to deliver not just one night of live fights, but three. UFC 249, after two failed attempts, the first one in Brooklyn got kiboshed by the coronavirus. The second attempt at the Tashi Palace got kiboshed by the head of Disney and the head of ESPN. Now it looks as if we're relatively smooth sailing. I hesitate to say this because I am renowned for being a jinx, Sandu. But things are beginning to uh, sail relatively smoothly once again for the UFC. They've put a lot of work in behind the scenes. And they are coming with three shows in the space of just eight days in Jacksonville, Florida. They're coming back in a big way, Sandu. Yeah, so far so good, Sai. Since we last spoke, no stumbling blocks, no hurdles, uh, no cancellations this time around. Uh, and things kick off on May 9th with UFC 249. Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje is the headline fight on that card. And then literally just a couple of days later, on Wednesday, May 13th, we've got a fight night card. We haven't had a fight night card in a while either. Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira is the fight that tops that card. And then literally a few days later, once again on a Saturday night, May 16th, we've got another fight night card. This time, Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. So... There's a lot of fights that have been rebooked, rescheduled. Um, you know, some there's some new fights all together across all three of these events and three these three cards. Um, but I mean, me personally, Sai, I feel a lot more optimistic and confident that these events are gonna happen. Um, that being said, though, I'm still seeing a lot of comments from the fans, from from listeners, uh, from the general MMA community that still kind of wants to see it to believe it. They, they want to get to fight week. They want to see what, what does a media day look like? What does a, a, a weigh-in kind of look like? And um, what are these events going to look like? You know, it's one thing to have seen it, you know, in Brazil in a, in a closed arena. Uh, but, you know, I think with the extra measures put into place, given what we know now versus what we knew then uh, for that Sao Paulo card, it'll be interesting to see how the UFC actually pulls this off logistically with the personnel, with production, health and safety, the fighters, and all the rest of it. Um, how have you been digesting the last kind of week in terms of your anticipation for these events? I mean, is the glass half full for you, half empty? Where are you kind of standing right now, Sai? Definitely half full. Definitely half full. I think I think the world is moving at, at quite a pace. And... Um, you can argue the rights and wrongs of whether people should start opening things up again, but the truth of the matter is people are starting to open things up again, especially in the States. They're very keen to do so. With that in mind, if you're going to actually lead the way with this, and it seems like the UFC are very keen to do this, obviously they're going to, you know, they are they are very professional in how they put on their events. You know, the way they are a well-oiled machine. Anybody who's been anywhere close to a UFC live show and has even witnessed just a glimpse of what goes on backstage and how these shows are put together. No, they are consummate professionals when it comes to putting these things together. Uh, the way they're broadcast is tip-top in terms of production value, and the way the shows are run uh, is equally so backstage. It's a well-oiled machine. 
you just have to talk to people who go to who cover MMA and then go and cover a boxing event, and they tell you the difference. I mean, you can mention it. You, you know, you can speak to this yourself. You went to the biggest boxing event, arguably in history, right? And the way that the just from the media standpoint, the way that it was handled was night and day compared to how how the UFC would handle a fight of similar stature. So, you know, I think I think if anybody can make this work, then it's the UFC. And there was a a really really good interview by Mike Bob, my colleague uh, on MMA Junkie, talking to Laura Sanko, and uh, Laura Sanko, backstage reporter for the UFC, but also a former professional fighter herself for Invicta. Um, and uh, she spoke at length. Uh, it, was, it was kind of like a Q&A session, I think. Um, and some of the stuff that she was talking about, you know, she, she's itching to get back into this and, and to start working again, as I think everybody connected with the sport wants to gradually get back into this and for things to work. But it's got to be done safely. Um, but, the, you know, the thing that she said is, if anyone can make this work, it's the it's the guys who put these UFC shows together because they are, they are the best of the best at this. So from that point of view, yeah, super optimistic. Also, you look at just the landscape of how this is all being done now. We're not going around the back of commissions. We're not working under the law or around the law, which effectively was what they were, you know, they were trying to do with the whole Tachi Palace thing. This is all above board. This is all. This is going to be sanctioned by an athletic commission. It's gonna. It's gonna be uh, overseen by the state. So it's, it's, it's legal, basically. It's legal. They're not. You know, the only and presumably, given that we've got this far down the line, after the fact that the last time was scrapped, you can only assume that ESPN are on board with this because we've had we've had over a week since the announcement, and everything's still going ahead. So. That leads me to believe all is well on the broadcast side as well. So the the roadblocks we had last time appear not to be there. Um, and um, I'm just looking forward to it. In terms of media and stuff, who knows? Um, I can't imagine there'll be many there. Um, but from a from a, a reporting standpoint and from a, a career standpoint, having live stuff to cover again is, is arguably critical at this stage because if we go too much longer um then there's a fair few of us in various various positions might find themselves wondering what they're going to do with themselves soon because you can't report on a sport that isn't isn't taking place for too long so if this comes back it needs to come back safe Uh, i think it will um and uh the three events i think is is great the only people i don't envy are the production staff they are going to be knackered by the end of this uh, three events in a week. We've done International Fight Week. We were we we were both there in when was it 2015, where they did three they did three events in International Fight Week. Sander UFC 189 Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, oh no, it's 2016. I think it was um, three events in a week in 2016, and uh, it was absolutely berserk. A mad mad week. That was UFC 200 week, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, they can do it. And they haven't got to worry about the fans because it's all behind closed doors. So um, I just can't wait for it to come back. I'm pretty confident it will happen. And uh, I'm looking forward. Fingers crossed it all goes well. And it, it opens the doors and things gradually start to return to normal shortly after that. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, if the UFC come through clean with these events and there's no issues, no one's testing positive and everyone gets through without, um, you know, any kind of, I guess, reliance upon local health and medical facilities and things of that nature, um, then maybe this is what 
you know, is the experiment that other sports leagues look towards. Obviously, the UFC is a little bit different because there's not that many athletes involved um, in any at any one time, so it's unique in that aspect. But maybe this is the knock-on effect that brings back boxing um, to, to you know to the masses in terms of the big boxing events. You know, we've got a massive fight in Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury three uh, that was supposed to have taken place uh, in June. Maybe you know the the the, the, the folks behind the scenes involved in that one might have a look at the UFC and say, hey, we could do this because uh, there's a lot of money to be made with that particular fight as well. But yeah, like you said, Sai, you know, ESPN are on board um, during the broadcast of The Last Dance episodes three and four, which has been an absolute ratings monstrous hit for ESPN uh, in the US. They were running ads for UFC 249. Um, so that that tells you everything you need to know about ESPN supporting this particular event. And, and yeah, like you said, you know... It, even with these events taking place, Simon, there still there still have been, and there's probably still will be a knock-on effect in terms of how COVID nineteen has impacted or will impact the media that work and cover this sport. You know, as you've mentioned and as we've talked about in recent episodes, furloughs, layoffs. I don't think we've probably seen the last of it. Uh, Post media here in Canada, uh, just earlier this morning, uh, announced. Um, 80 members of staff being laid off uh, and a bunch of local newspapers, I think 15 newspapers shut down completely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this kind of continues to impact. And it's not just from the sports world. Obviously, there's various kind of uh, verticals, categories and industries uh, that require reporting. And there's nothing to report on right now. Um, so we'll see how things kind of shake out. But anything can happen, Sai. You know, we're, we're still, you know, what, 10, 11 days out from UFC 249. Um, but if things stay the course, it's going to be an incredible, on paper, an incredible, mouth-watering set of fights, especially with Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje at top of the card there. There's just no way that fight doesn't deliver. And over the last couple of days, I've been getting more and more hooked into that co-main event. The story of Dominic Cruz potentially coming back after this massive layoff to become a three-time bantamweight champion i mean that's hall of i mean he's already a hall of famer he's already one of the all-time legends of the sport especially in the lower weight classes but again we spoke about it last week he beats henry cejudo in his prime who is just firing on all cylinders is absolutely peaked as a fighter right now you've got to consider him the greatest bantamweight of all time but you know what there's so many great stories we and i'm sure you know this time next week you know when we sit down to record the Brit Pack, you know, going to fight week and, and, it's, and the fight card is still on. That's when we can start to really dissect every single fight and talk about the storylines and the angles and the promotion and, and all the rest of it. But fingers crossed it all kind of uh, takes place next week. Yeah, and we absolutely will do that on, uh, on, on the next show. Hopefully we'll have a hell of a lot to talk about as we uh, get, get the ball rolling um, in our first, our first fight week since our, since our return. And Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have uh, plenty more in the uh, in the weeks and months to come. Just a very very quick um, bit of housekeeping, really, on those those uh, those other two events. So the May 13 event, all three events are taking place at the same venue in the same city, the Vicestar Veteran Memorial Arena in Jacksonville. Uh, Sandu uh, has given us the uh, the main events there. The Wednesday night show on May the 13th also features uh, a very interesting fight at heavyweight. Big Ben Rothwell 
is taking on Ovint St. Prue, who is moving up to heavyweight. Um, that will be interesting to see. OSP is a long-time uh, campaigner at 205 um, and uh, went the distance, if I remember rightly, with John Jones at UFC 197, despite breaking his arm, I think, in the first or second round of the fight. Um, so um, he's sort of criminally underrated. He's got got that, that famous uh, Von Flew, or Von Pru, as we have to call it now, uh, choke. Uh, and then you've got Ben Rothwell with his go-go choke. So they've both got their own go-to submission technique there. Um, be interesting to see which one of them uh, prevails on fight. No, Cole Roberson versus Marvin Vittori just screams like scream slugfest to me. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Andre Arlovsky is back against Felipe Lins. And Sajara Eubanks against Sarah Morris. They've booked that fight a couple of times. Looks like that's finally finally going to happen. And then we've got the fight card on May the 16th, which is the following Saturday night. Uh, you mentioned Walt Harris versus Alistair Overeem. 63 professional fights for Alistair Overeem. Insane. Um, against Walt Harris, who um, has had a really tough time of it over the last, the last 12 to 18 months. It's just great to see him back. Um, and uh, he's got himself a tough assignment in the ream. He beats the ream, he's right up there. You've got Eric Anders versus Christoph Jotko. You've got Anthony Hernandez against Kevin Holland, and you've got Marlon Vera versus Song Yadong, uh, and that will be at Bantamweight, I would assume. Um, they're the confirmed fights so far on those cards. Obviously, we normally get between 10 and 12 fights on a card, so look out, plenty more bout announcements due to take place within the next the next week or so for sure. So that's pretty much everything in terms of what the UFC have got have got coming up, Sandu. Yeah, and you know, like you said, things are all rosy in the world of the UFC. They've got events, they've got cards, they've got fights booked and the promotion uh you know wheels are turning in terms of getting everyone excited and hyped for those events. However, not so much for one championship. You know, they um made a, an announcement earlier this week via the CEO, Chantri Sichotong. Um, and I'll read out a couple of lines from the, um, the press release. This is from him regarding one championship. All May events for one championship will be postponed until further notice due to the recent COVID-19 developments. And he specifically mentions border closings and lockdowns across most of the countries in Asia. He says, our highest priority remains the health and safety of our athletes, officials, staff, fans, and the public during these challenging times. My team and I are working around the clock on multiple options to bring back our events as soon as safely possible. Stay tuned for news. So, of course, you know, the virus started in Asia and it slowly kind of started to make its way across the, the world through, through Europe and you know, North America. And um, it, I think everyone at one point was looking to see what one championship would do just to see how they would be able to tackle um, the virus and potentially put on events. Um, but like most times, it's the UFC that are leading the charge um, in the industry in terms of being the first ones to put on an event. And uh, one championship are a closing shop for the month of May. How did you uh, take that bit of news, Sai? I wasn't massively surprised. I mean, I spoke to a couple of one championship fighters over the course of the last week and um, some of them who were actually due to compete on, I think, May 29th um, on uh, what what was due to be an, a monster of a card. It was going to be their first one infinity show, um, which is their new sort of gold standard events where they're going to, I think they're talking about having three or four title fights on every one of those one infinity cards. And obviously with the with the kickboxing and Muay Thai 
uh, fights that they can put on. They've got more bandwidth to hold title fights, so um, they can really stack the deck for those sort of shows. And uh, there was going to be one in Singapore, and then there was going to be one in Manila. And we basically, we've passed the date of the Singapore show. Uh, the, the Manila show was going to be in May 29th, I believe. That has obviously now been has now been scrapped. They also talked about holding some Singapore only shows behind closed doors, um, and they never really seem to they never really seem to take off in terms of this is definitely happening. I think that was just like a contingency that they had, and it never quite made it. Um, I think the issue with that is they're they're based out in Singapore, and I think Singapore um, have extended their lockdown or they've reintroduced a lockdown period. Um, I think uh, it looked like the uh, the curve was beginning to drop off, and then I think they had a, a small rise, uh, another spike in cases. So I think what's happened is the Singapore government have just shut things down a little bit more again, and uh, they're just going to keep th- keep everything on on uh, on the level for a while, let things settle, and then look to come back. They're ready to go. Like one, have got they've got a huge huge roster. Um, and because they've got kickboxers, Muay Thai fighters, and MMA fighters, they don't necessarily have to find 10 MMA fighters. You know, they only maybe need three or four. And then you can sling a few kickboxing matches in, sling a few Muay Thai bouts in. Um, so maybe compiling the cards is is uh, is not as much of a challenge. I don't know. Um, but it looks to me like the next the next show that is on their, on their horizon is in Jakarta, Indonesia, which is title battle for the ages that's going to be on the 5th of june which is a friday they do a lot of shows on on fridays um and uh at the moment that's the first the first show that hasn't been cancelled if that makes sense they've wiped out may so the first show in june is is that one um whether we get that one or not who knows um i think i think we could probably expect them to be up and running within the next couple of months or so, but it might not be until the back end of that. I think they're not they're not extending themselves too far out with a lockdown because you know they're kind of playing it by ear a little bit. But um, like I know if I know of fighters who were due to fight on the 29th of May who are still in camp, they're still going, um, but they're doing so in the full realization that this is almost certainly not going to happen, and they might not be fighting until a month after or two months after. So. We'll see how it pans out. I mean, they looked like they were in prime position, didn't they, uh, to be the first ones back. The natural, the natural theory with this is the part of the world where all the trouble began with with COVID would, but would would actually be the part of the world where it would sort of die off first, and then to sort of mirror how how it spread from east to west, we would gradually see a similar pattern, but. You know, because of the way different countries deal with different uh, have dealt with this thing differently, it's all over the shop in terms of I think who's going to open up their borders or open up open up uh, airports and start hosting events or opening businesses before others. So, um, but I think Singapore are just playing it super super safe right now, um, and I would imagine when the time comes, it will probably be Singapore that hosts the first show back. That would be my that would be my best guess. So we may well see a bit of a rejigging of um, of their of their calendar because let's face it, it's not like any other events are taking place in these arenas right now. So if they can if they can be the first to move in their space over there, then they can pretty much pick and choose when they want to come back once they know the coast is clear. 
And it's not as if they've got the luxury of their own fight island, which uh, Dana White and the UFC are continuing to kind of promote. Uh, again, seeing is believing, but the idea for from Dana White is there's going to be an octagon on a beach. I mean, if that actually happens, Sai, that's going to be a pretty cool visual, I'm not going to lie. Especially, you know, with the way the UFC and their production team kind of showcase events on, on broadcast. I'm sure they're going to make it look pretty nice. Yeah, I mean... It was interesting, like you, you, they're they're keeping this very close to their chest. Other than the fact that they're they're hammering out this fight, Ireland is real, fight, Ireland is happening, and obviously we now know from about a week or so ago they've registered a whole load of trademarks, haven't they, for Fight Island and UFC Fight Island, basically equivalent trademarks. I think it's like it's something like uh, sixteen each or something, um, and um, clearly this is this is well on the way to being a real thing and actually taking place. But the one little, one teeny little nugget of information that, that, that slipped out was they talked about this, this fight island has hotels there. Someone, I think Dana mentioned something about there's hotels there. We're going to have the octagon on the beach. So we're not talking about some remote atoll somewhere where they're just going to, you know, where the, the government of Mauritius or someone has said, yeah, you can, you can stick an octagon over there. Um, it's, I'm, I, I really don't, I'm fascinated because, and we're talking international fights and international fights for the UFC basically means, uh, Brazil or, or sorry, South America or Europe. This is what we're talking about. So are we talking about an, an island in Europe? Could we have UFC fight night Ibiza in a few months time, which is a, a running joke I've had with, uh, James Elliott for years. So, who knows? Take over. I'm going to die coughing. <laughs> well, look, whether it whether it's UFC Fight Island Ibiza, whether it's UFC... Jam- I just came back from Jamaica, like, what, seven or eight weeks ago. Uh, it'd be pretty cool uh, if they ever held an event there. There's lots of uh, athletes on the roster that have got Jamaican roots. Um, Al Jermaine Sterling comes to mind. Um, but... It's just, it's just interesting to see how much more information we get in the next seven days leading into 249 because Dana White has said these three events are all going to take place in Florida. After that, though, no information, no details. It could be back in Florida. It could be the Fight Island if things are set up by then. Um, it's just, I just can't... I mean, we've seen all the kind of fan posters. We've seen all the kind of mock designs, um, you know, of this octagon on a beach with the kind of water splashing and the palm trees in the background and, and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, just just visually, it would be it would look incredible. Just because our norm is, and it doesn't matter what arena we go to in the world, it's basically just black, darked out, the, the typical, you know, setup. It's just kind of set up and play, you know, every single arena you go to. There's not too much difference between the uh, the O2 Arena in London or the Bell Centre in Montreal or Madison Square Garden in New York, apart from perhaps, say, the kind of difference in the fan base and how they react and who they cheer for and some of the chants. But apart from that, you know, all these events look the same. And, and that's, that's been by design so that they can continue to churn out all of these events on their kind of crazy schedule of like 40 plus events a year 
um, because if they wanted to make every single event look different, it would have cost a lot more money and there'd be just so much more to do. But with a fire island, you've got an opportunity here to really put all the bells and whistles and kind of make it look as extravagant as you want it to look, knowing that this isn't going to be forever. That the fire island, if it actually happens, it could be for a few months, it may be for the next six months, um, basically until this virus dies down and things get back to business with uh, arenas being open uh, in all the various markets. But um, yeah, I'll be uh, well up for a UFC fight night in Ibiza or uh, or Jamaica any day of the week. Well, this is this is the thing, right? Like what you just said makes complete sense, right? It's it's a short term thing, and you know it's a stopgap. But does it need to be a stopgap? I mean, if they're investing all this money, and it must be a considerable investment, they're not surely they're not going to invest all this money just for a few months worth of shows that doesn't that doesn't seem to make sense to me so it's like this could be a thing like i know you know fight island is real and all the rest of it but this could actually be a thing and this this could become a regular part of what they do um and uh yeah i'm fascinated i mean i i genuinely don't know where this is going to be i'm fascinated to find out where it's going to be but it has to be somewhere that is going to be that, well, it's, it's got to be somewhere that makes more sense to the non-American fighters on the card than it does to the American fighters on the card. So, otherwise, that's where they will be hosting these 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 upcoming events, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I'm I'm genuinely intrigued by this, um, and uh, as you say, the uh, the visuals could be pretty spectacular, um, unless it's in some sort of island off the coast of scotland and it's fucking freezing and <laughs> you know they're on some horrible pebble beach and everybody's freezing their tits off but it, it won't be it, it'll be it'll be somewhere pretty amazing i would imagine um but yeah hotels there's going to be hotels and all they're doing is building the infrastructure to host the events so who knows who knows you you, you would have to think that we've got these three events coming up as you say that they are going to want to announce something probably during the pay-per-view surely surely that's the time if you if you want to make a splash if you really want to get people invested and say okay we're back you're watching this insane fight card that we've put together you've got two more shows from the same town coming in the next seven days but get this we're going here and then we're going to host all these international fights over here and what it will do it might make some of those international cards more appealing to the US market because not everybody from the States is going to tune in and watch an event from Hamburg in Germany, for example. The hardcores will, but you can bet there'll be a hell of a lot of people tuning in to watch a fight on a beach. So, you know, I think I think there's a there's 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 a, a good argument for this thing hanging around for probably a year or so. Just because of the amount of legwork that's going in. So um it could be it could be a big one. And talking of big ones, um, they don't names don't get much bigger in in MMA than than Conor McGregor, Sandu. And there's been all this talk about the UFC lightweight division. Obviously, we've had Khabib, and now he's stuck in he's stuck in Russia right now. Um, his father, by the way, uh, was hospitalised last week with suspected pneumonia, um, and it sounds like he's he's doing okay. Um, but also, at least one other fighter, possibly two. Um, have have gotten ill um who are part of that that training group 
um, in Dagestan where, where Khabib trains. There's not been any suggestion that it is COVID related, but uh, clearly there's some sort of there's something happening there. So fingers crossed, all of that all of that blows over. But we've got Khabib stuck in Russia. We've got Tony Ferguson against Justin Gaethje now. Um, but the odd man out in this is the biggest name on the roster, and that's Conor McGregor. Um, he's stuck in Ireland. He can't get over to the states to fight at least under the current current circumstances. He's been advocating complete shutdown in Ireland, so it'd be pretty hypocritical for him to then jump on a plane and head to head to wherever to uh, to fight. But w- what is going to happen with him next? I mean, he's still a factor at 55. His last fight was at 70. Um what's next for him? Should he who should he be fighting next, Andrew? And who do you think he actually will end up fighting next? Because they're not necessarily the same answer. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's something that I was kind of pondering this morning, actually. Because, like you said, you've got Tony versus Justin. And they're going to fight for the interim lightweight championship. And so the winner of that fight will then go on to fight Khabib in the, in, in the autumn, in the fall, around September, October time. That's what Dana White has said, that Khabib will be back uh, for a, for an event and for a card in September for a unification bout at 155 pounds, and normally, when you think about Conor McGregor, you always think to yourself, "Well, he's got all the options on the table," and and I've got a feeling that on th- on this in this situation, this case, his options aren't as plentiful as they were a few months ago, or they normally typically are for him, because, like I said, you got Tony, Justin and Khabib in that kind of triangle. And whoever loses between Tony and Justin, I just don't think that's a fight that Conor would take right now. He's not going to fight a winner. Perhaps, he's not going to fight someone coming off a loss, rather. right? And so then you kind of look at... I mean, obviously, you've got Donald Cerrone. That was the odd exception. But he's just a much bigger name than, say, a, a Justin Gaethje. If Justin Gaethje loses, I just don't see the appetite uh, or the willingness for Conor to take that particular fight this time around. Um, even though they were originally, you know, scheduled to a rumor to to, to fight in, in the summer, then I was thinking about the welterweight division, and we've seen plenty of interviews of Dana White saying the fight for Kamaru is going to be Jorge Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman, and they've been joining back and forth on social media and, and in a bunch of interviews, uh, and, and that fight makes a ton of sense uh, in the welterweight division. And then I thought to myself, okay, well, look, Conor definitely wanted to get in these three fights. That's what he kind of set out to do in 2020. He got one in the books with Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, it's, it's, it's bizarre to me that Donald Cerrone's fighting next weekend already. Um but that's cowboy for you, I guess. And then I thought to myself, right, okay, well, you, you got to take Kamaru and Jorge out of the picture if that's the fight that, that that's going to happen this summer at some point. You take out Tony, Khabib, and Justin because they're in their own path at the moment. So who does that leave? And I actually carried out a Twitter poll this morning. The poll consisted of the Nate Diaz trilogy, the Dustin Poirier rematch. I threw in Paul Felder who, although is coming off a loss, um, there was a little bit of something going back and forth between them on social media following the uh, the Dan Hooker fight. And then I kind of left uh, one option as other, and I, and I kind of asked my followers to kind of just comment below uh, if, they, if there was someone else out there that made a lot of sense. So far, I've had over 7,000 votes, so 
pretty good number of people participating in this poll. 53% want the Nate Diaz trilogy, Simon. 31% want the Dustin Poirier rematch. You've got 6% that want Paul Felder. And then the remainder um, have opted for other. And underneath that, you've got Colby Covington. You've got Ally Quinter. You've got a whole host of other potential options there. But going back to your original question, in terms of who should he fight and who will he fight, I think the answer is exactly the same. And for me, it's Nate Diaz. I've actually been on this bandwagon for a while anyway. I've been hoping and praying that this trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz happens for a long, long time now because I just don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose it to time. I don't want to lose it to other fights. I think it's an easy fight to make. It's an easy fight to promote. It'll do great business for the UFC. It'll get mainstream fans excited because they both, you know, you know, you know the, the mainstream audience or the casual uh, combat sports fan knows the names Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. They know the story. They've, they've seen the first two fights that were two of the biggest selling pay-per-views of all time. Nate Diaz had an incredible 2019. You know, yes, he went one and one in, in actual fights with Anthony Pettis and Jorge Masvidal, but in terms of just you know resurging back to the surface, you know, reclaiming his spot as a, as a top five, maybe even top three draw in the sport, um, headlining that card with Jorge Masvidal in Madison Square Garden, which was did, did gangbuster numbers. I just don't want to see him get iced for another year. I, I think utilize him in twenty twenty. And for Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz to fight, it'll do great business. It's 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 not going to logjam any divisions. It, no one's cutting in line to get a title shot. It's just it doesn't harm anyone, and it just would make everyone happy. And and it'll be a lot of fun, you know. I think every now and then, outside of like the competitive angle for a, for for a title fight, sometimes it's just nice to have fun fights. That's exactly what the BMF fight was. That's exactly what. The first two fights between Connor and Nate were, and yeah, I would love to see that trilogy fight happen sooner rather than later. So that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I think, I think if you're looking at who he should fight in terms of getting into a position to fight Khabib, if we're talking from a, a, a meritocratic uh, hierarchy sort of standpoint, then I think the Poirier fight probably makes the most sense from a 155 pound point of view because the guys above him um are basically duking it out to face Khabib so next next guy on the list I think pretty much is is Dustin it's sellable because a it's a Connor fight b it's a rematch um and Dustin is a far more um a far more potent 55er than he was as a 45er so I think that that would be an interesting fight it's not the fight I would pick though um the Diaz fight I think has a lot going for it, but I also think there's a there's there's a lot that uh, could be said for him facing Jorge Masvidal at 170 for get that BMF belt back in the mix. Um, I know it was one of one and all of that, and it was supposed to be a one off, but the UFC needs something to get get the ball rolling again. What better than Connor versus Jorge Masvidal for the BMF belt version two? Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the BMF belt, rather than being a title that is defended, you just have one BMF title fight every calendar year. Um, you can do it that way then. So 
Jorge is the 2019 BMF champion. Who will be the 2020 BMF champion? And you could argue that the the, the champion of the previous year uh, has has a right to be in that fight um, if you want some sort of lineage to it. Um, but obviously that restricts you from a weight class perspective then. But I think in terms of the scale of fight, the only fight that I can think of that could surpass a Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor fight that isn't the Khabib fight is Jorge Masvidal versus versus Conor McGregor. And you give me Diaz or you give me uh, Masvidal and uh, I'm, you know, take, take all of my monies, as they say. Um, I'll be happy with either of those. Yeah, listen, I'll take any of those, to be honest with you. I think anyone would. When Conor fights, it's big business. It, it means, you know, that there's a, an appetite, a lot of new eyeballs. Every time Conor fights, there's always brand new eyeballs on the sport. Um, people want to get involved. Um, you know, he definitely moves the needle like no other. And thankfully, he's fighting at a time and also in weight classes where he's got some great dance partners. Nate Diaz is a great dance partner. Jorge Masvidal. The thing I like about the Jorge Masvidal fight, which you would imagine will eventually happen sooner rather than later, is it's a fresh fight. It's a fresh matchup. We haven't seen them fight. And so it's, it's a brand new challenge for both men. Whereas obviously we've seen kind of, you know, how the first two fights have played out between Diaz and Conor. Not that there isn't going to be any intrigue in terms of how a third fight plays out, because I think they're on the flip side, when you have two fighters that have already spent, you know, X number of minutes in the cage together, it's the, the, the story and the, the intrigue for the third fight is how are they going to change and switch things up to counter counteract each other's offense and things of that nature. Um, but you've got to think that 2020 needs at least, at least one more Connor fight. Um, I know he was kind of, you know, aiming for three. The COVID-19 pandemic has thrown a massive spanner in the works. You know, he is the biggest draw the UFC has. The UFC obviously want to come back uh, but not just come back put on fights, but come back with some big blockbuster fights. Um, and Conor McGregor needs to be uh, in the mix there, uh, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. Um, so here's hoping. And it's always a fun question to ask, I guess, is like when you don't know what's happening with the sport's biggest star, to ponder, to question, to debate, to discuss who Conor um, is going to fight next is always a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to uh, very interesting to see what actually happens. I mean, will will Connor fight on a behind closed door show, um, or will he will he want to wait until until things have opened up again? I mean, that's that's another one of the big questions. But um, it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't think it's one we're going to get an answer to for a little while. But um, you can you can bet that. Because this was supposed to be his big year, wasn't it? He was supposed to be back. This was supposed to be his 2020 season. And uh, like every other sport in the world, the season has been completely kiboshed by this by this whole coronavirus pandemic. And um, he's basically on hold right now, same as everybody else. So it would be really interesting to see, A, when he comes back, B, who he comes back against, and C, how active he chooses to be in what will be a very condensed 2020 season if he still wants to call it that but um yeah looking forward to seeing what happens there absolutely so simon it's been three episodes back uh in in the bank uh and we've done so without any events any fight weeks and and i think that's all going to change 
next week and it's going to finally start to be a more of a typical show like we did back in the day where we're you know talking about a fight we're talking about storylines and and kind of like what 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 the actual angles are you know especially as kind of fighters start to kind of give us more sound bites and conduct more interviews and things of that nature um so i'm i'm really looking forward to to next week's um episode and, and in fact the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty busy because not only are we going to be able to talk about hopefully fingers crossed uh ufc 249 but we'll be previewing and reviewing three events um so i I think we may even crank out a few episodes during that week because there'll just be so much going on um so so far though appreciate everyone's support um for the brit pack podcast and we've seen kind of the reviews come in and the likes and the subscriptions and you know we, we we love it we thank you thank you guys so much make sure you keep spreading the word tell your friends help us uh blow this thing up um and if you're not already doing so regardless of which platform you're listening to make sure you go to the britpack.substack.com that is where we really want to try and drive everyone all of you guys uh to get on our substack get on that list subscribe there in the, in the next couple of weeks i think we're going to start to open up the uh, the thread uh, so let you guys comment give us some feedback drop in questions uh, and actually get involved with the show and participate um by joining that substack for us so definitely do that if you can can you also subscribe on apple google music spotify whatever your typical player is uh apple is the one that we would really love for you guys to to write a review give us a give us a rating give us a review those two things really help promote and push the podcast um on the apple uh platform and uh if you want to follow us on social media, I'm at Sandu MMA across the board. Uh, Sand, uh, Simon is at Simon Head on Twitter and at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. And of course, you can also follow the Brit Pack MMA on Twitter as well. So apart from that, Simon, you know, it's been fun getting the show back off the ground these past few weeks, but I'm, I'm itching. I'm raring to go for an actual UFC pay-per-view fight week next week. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a phony war so far. We've been sort of just uh, spouting off and giving some opinions on, uh, on on things various in the in the world of MMA, but without there actually being a payoff. There's been no payoff. The payoff comes on May the 9th, and we're going to get three shows back-to-back. So um, as, you, as you said there, I think... The common sense thing will be to uh, to stack the deck and maybe uh, put out put out some shows um, on in quick succession over the course of that week, so that we can follow the whole week through and talk about what we've just seen or what we're just about to see, and uh, you know, document this thing in in audio form as it all goes down. And uh, fingers crossed, by the time we get through the end of it, uh, there'll be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and people can turn around and go, you know what, this can be done, and. Uh, Fingers crossed, things will start to things will start to pick up again soon. Um, but that is pretty much all we've got this week, Sandu. Um, always good, always good chatting to you as it is you over there in Toronto. Uh, anyone who hasn't listened to this before, this is the first time that, that that you've joined us. We are on completely opposite sides of the planet. Sandu's over there in Toronto, Canada. I'm in Rochester, which is about half an hour south of London in here in England. Um, but we used to call the podcast um, "Fighting Talk" with a distinctly British flavour. That's what we used to. That's what we used to call it, and that is still very much the case. The difference now is 
we're uh, we're sharing our views from two very very different parts of the world so um, it would be great no matter where you guys are in the world to join us chuck your reviews on uh, on itunes or apple podcast and uh, join the list get on the list and uh, we will we will all follow these fights together over the next few weeks thanks so much for joining us we'll be back in a week's time yeah.